Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. on Total Soccer Show, the weekly episode where we sink our teeth into one of the meatiest topics in the beautiful game. Today, we're talking about our Lord and Saviour, Jude Bellingham, <laughs> or as he will be known in a few years, uh, Sir Jude Bellingham. Born in the West Midlands, not far from where Daryl Grove was born and raised, Bellingham joined Birmingham City as a seven-year-old, and it was clear he was special early on. He was so special, in fact, that Birmingham retired his shirt when he left the club in the summer of 2020 at the age of 17. He moved to Dortmund with Birmingham having reportedly turned down a big offer from Manchester United, bullet dodged, and ripped it up in the Bundesliga before moving to Real Madrid the past summer for a fee that could rise to 133 million euros with add-ons. And with his game-saving performances so far with 13 goals from his first 13 games at the time of recording, Jude is making sure Dortmund and Birmingham get those sweet sweet add-ons so how good is Bellingham right now why is he in such great form and how long can it last that is what we're exploring today on the big thing my name's Ryan Bailey joining me today on that exploration Taylor Rockwell hello Taylor hello my friend I'm excited for this one it's going to be an interesting one because I think we've only done player-centric episodes on like maybe Lionel Messi and where he would move next I don't know if we've gone in-depth on on one player to this degree in this way on this show. So I'm excited to do so now. But as we established on listening to questions yesterday, Taylor, same tier, same tier of player. All yes, good. of course. Yes. Yeah, if not better, if not better. Yeah. If, Joe had him, I think, best of yeah. all time. I could be wrong. Indeed. Here to concur with that statement, Joe. Hello, Joe Lowry. Uh, instead of doing anything related to that statement, I'm just going to say, Taylor, I think it's a, maybe a mistake that we let Ryan do the intro on an episode about an English player. I thought that was going to go on by itself for 45 minutes and Ryan was just going to finish this out with the monologue. (laughs) And um, I just I had some concerns. I'll put it that way. I had some concerns. Ryan and I both enjoy Comedy Bang Bang, where occasionally the host won't introduce a guest until like 40 minutes into the episode. Uh, And it would have been hilarious if Ryan had done a full 45 minutes on Jude Bellingham and then introduced us and then ended the episode. Opportunity missed, I'm going to say, Ryan. Yeah, my favorite of the Comedy Bang Bang Universe episodes are the ones where they do album reviews. So like they're doing Bruce Springsteen albums at the moment. And Joe, they'll do a two hour episode and they won't start talking about the album until an hour and 15 into the uh, episode. It's, that uh... is my worst nightmare on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Okay. Not a chance am I ever going to be listening to that episode. There we go. Hint taken. Let's get to the meat of the action, shall we? Joe, I'll let you kick off. Uh, just give us a little, um, set the table for us. How good is Jupiter? Bellingham right now yeah I mean you you did a good job of, of getting that table pretty well set I guess I'll add like the dessert fork and maybe like some salad tongs or something to that table Jude Bellingham's been unreal so far this season I'll go and, and reuse some of the stuff you mentioned Ryan 10 goals so far in La Liga three goals in the Champions League he's got 13 goals so far in those two competitions that's over 1,122 minutes if you do the math and I mentioned this on yesterday's show he is averaging a goal every 86 minutes. That is absurd on its own. If you have a player who's scoring a goal every 90 minutes, please hang on to them and make them your own and keep them forever. Uh, I would like to remind people, though, Jude Bellingham is doing this as a midfielder. And midfielder is a blanket term that can mean a lot of different things. We'll get more into the, the nitty-gritty of his role later on. He sort of is playing as a forward, but, but he is still a midfielder. He's doing it as a midfielder, and he's also doing it as a 20-year-old. So all of those things are absurd to begin with. Then you get a little deeper into some of this stuff. It's not just the volume of goals for Jude Bellingham, for me at least. It's the spread as well. So he scored in seven out of ten La Liga games. All three Champions League games he scored in. So he scored in all but three games. The value of having a player that is putting the ball in the back of the net for you, not like, oh, I scored a hat-trick here and then I, I went without scoring for two games and I came back. No, he's scoring basically every single game and he has scored in every single game 
that Real Madrid have played in the Champions League. He just won them, El Clasico, against Barcelona. The first goal was an absolute banger in that game, and Ryan, you, Graham, and I talked about that on Weekend Review. The second goal, fluky, but he does make his own luck in terms of the run and the positioning that he takes up. He scores both goals in a 2-1 win for Real Madrid, giving them a little bit of cushion at the top of the table. This guy has been absolutely unbelievable so far in 2023. Yep. And then to echo uh, everything Joe said or continue with what Joe said, because he laid out the numbers pretty well, I would say that we're also reaching a point where teams are basically like settling out to stop Jude Bellingham. So it's the equivalent of in the NFL, if you have a bad quarterback and a good running back and defense is just putting like 10 players to deal with uh, the running game or maybe nine players feels like that's what opposition defenses are starting to do with Jude Bellingham of trying to limit him, trying to double, triple team him to limit his effectiveness. But that then obviously opens up opportunities for his teammates. So even when he's not heavily involved from a statistical standpoint, which is still a very rare occasion at this point in his Real Madrid career, it still almost has an impact because it opens up chances for his teammates and creates more space and the like. Yeah, I'll add just one one thing very quickly on the back of that. We mentioned this on Monday. The fact that Xavi very clearly instructed Gavi in midfield and Barcelona mm-hmm. were back defending. Gavi was defending most often in that in that El Clasico as the deepest midfielder for Barcelona. The fact that there were several moments in that game when Gavi's just trailing around following Jude Bellingham. Teams are not game planning for Real Madrid first. They're game planning for Jude Bellingham first and the rest of Real Madrid after, which is, I'll be honest, not a sentence that I necessarily expected to say two, three months, wherever we are into the La Liga season. Indeed. Joe, um, Bellingham's specialty, as uh, as we declared, is winning games and with late winners and, you know, game-deciding goals. Have we, have either of you calculated where Madrid would be on the table without him? Uh, let's assume they didn't have anyone in his stead winning those games instead. They're top of the Liga now. Do we know how many points they'd have without? Obviously, they probably wouldn't have won the Clasico without him for a start. No. So we can knock three off there. No, I don't have, maybe Taylor's got the list of results or he can pull it up along the road. I don't have that up in front of me, but I mean, Real Madrid would not be in this position. You see stats all the time, and this this is such a pet peeve of mine, when people go and reference like, oh, this is, I, I, somebody did it recently with Jesus Ferreira, and I don't know who it was, and my apologies if, if you're listening. But you go through and you look at, okay, FC Dallas are, you know, one in seven when Jesus Ferreira doesn't score, and they're seven and one when he does score. Well, yeah. Of course, like goals are the most important thing in this game. And there's like two of them that your team scores one point, whatever, every single match. So of course, one goal is going to sway the tide. That's all all that to say is, I I think in this case, we can use that as an example of how impactful Bellingham's been. The fact that he scored that many goals in that many games, and we just saw him win a game against the best team that Real Madrid is going up against in La Liga. I mean, that says a ton about how important he is. Yeah, definitely so. And Joe... How how um how important is he to Real Madrid's success this season? Do we see them as Champions League? Well, obviously they're Champions League contenders, but do we see him as being a key part of their quest for trophies this year? Absolutely, I think he's he's essential, especially with how Real Madrid went about their off season and Karim Benzema leaving them, having now this goal scoring gap in their attack. Bellingham has come in and, and helped fill that, and we'll talk maybe a bit later about whether or not he's going to continue at this rate. But for now. He is absolutely filled in that role, putting up better numbers than we would assume even Karim Benzema would have put up for Real Madrid over the same spell of games. If Jude Bellingham was playing at this level, or even something close to it, with all of the other talent that Real Madrid have, stacked in midfield, you know, versatile forwards, Vinicius Jr. is, is you know, in contention to be the best player on the field anytime he's on the field, seemingly. They have all the pieces to go, well, they have almost all the pieces, I think, to go and make that run, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they end up winning La Liga and winning the Champions League this year too. Yeah. And given the momentum Taylor at the moment that he's got, it would be a shame if he doesn't end up with any silverware in his hands this season, wouldn't it? Yes. I mean, I think you you always want to be rewarded in that physical way. At the same time, if he is able to keep up, again, even some level of this level, I think he has to get some individual awards along the way, be it like player of the month, maybe it's player of the season, maybe it's Real Madrid player of the season. I'm sure he'll get newcomer to the league awards, so he'll get some individual stuff. But everything I understand of Jude Bellingham tells me that he wouldn't really care about that and would much prefer a league title or a Copa del Rey or the Champions League or some combination of the three, if not all three. Um, And I think that will probably be how this season is measured. But I think for Bellingham, it's already sort of being measured in those individual feats. As Joe was talking, I went through and counted. If we're looking at, and I think Joe's caveats are are, are accurate, but if we're looking at um, 
games in which he either scored the opening goal, the winning goal, or the equalizing goal. You could say that he has had, basically he has won eight games on his own, maybe nine if you want to count Napoli, where I think he scores the go-ahead goal, they end up winning three to two. But that one aside, you could say Almeria, Celta, uh, Hetafe, Union Berlin, Osasuna, uh, Sporting Braga, and Barcelona. So a good number of games this season, he has scored the winning goal, the go-ahead goal, uh, or a critical goal along the way. And oftentimes he's scoring the like equalizer and the winner on occasion. So yeah. a, a pretty strong start in terms of how he's pulling Real Madrid to some wins this year. It's incredible. Thank you for pulling those stats, Taylor. I, 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 as soon as I asked the question, I thought, oh, Graham Rutherford is sick today, and he would have had that <laughs> <laughs> on a Rolodex at this point. So I appreciate that very much. Before he, first saying, like, oh, I don't really know. I don't really have that. And then would yeah. have given you, like, a list of numbers that he had researched for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, we hope you get well soon, Graham Rutherford. Eh. Uh, on Drew Bellingham, uh, Joe, can you tell us a bit about how he fits in this team? Uh, we mentioned earlier in the week about the he, he's filling the Benzema gap of sorts, but obviously not. He's not like a, a tab A into slot B for Real Madrid, if that makes sense for them yeah. in that position. How what concessions are they making? How are they making this work for him? Yeah, so Drew Bellingham's coming in. He's playing mostly as a number ten in a four four two diamond shape. He doesn't play there all the time. At times, he drifts out into the left half space, and it looks more like a 4 triple 2 But generally speaking, he's playing mostly as a number 10. It's a different shape, talking about concessions. It's a different shape for Real Madrid this year than what we saw last year, where it was more of a 4-3-3, lopsided, fluid, but more of a 4-3-3 than anything else. This year, Ancelotti's gone to that 4-4-2 diamond. Bellingham is a factor, for sure, in this change in shape. But the biggest factor for me is Karim Benzema going and, yep. and leaving the club and going to Saudi Arabia. When Benzema is gone, you lose your attacking focal point. I think if he stays, or or you get a number nine roughly equal to his level in the summer transfer window, I think you stick with a single striker setup because Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo are not natural strikers and Jose Lu is not uh, really a Real Madrid starting caliber player in my mind. If if you have Benzema, let's just use him in this example. If he stays, then I think you, you drop Bellingham a bit deeper and you play him as maybe one of the number eights in that 4-3-3 Maybe it looks more like a 4-2-3-1 with Bellingham as a number 10 behind a number 9. But because Benzema is gone, Ancelotti goes back to the drawing board. He opts for that 4-4-2 with no true number 9 up there. Just Vinny Jr. Rodrigo as these flexible, kind of roaming forwards. In El Clasico, it was a lot of direct balls in transition to Vinicius Jr., trying to take advantage of his speed in that space. I don't think, even though I think Real Madrid are capable of winning the Champions League as things stand, I don't think that's an ideal setup for them. But it is working. And it's working very, very well right now because Real Madrid have Bellingham picking up some of the goal-scoring slack. Like, he's filling that void, and he's also filling some of the Benzema hole outside of goal-scoring. You think about Kareem Benzema's game, what does he do? Yeah, he's lethal in the box. He can create his own shot. Those are the two things that make any elite goal-scorer. But he's also dangerous in possession. He's so good on the ball, he can drop in. He can spin a guy on his back and play somebody through. The the link-up play we saw between Benzema and Vinny Jr. last year was... Some of the best we saw between any two players on the planet last season. Bellingham's able to do that stuff. We'll talk maybe a bit more about some of his, his limitations later, but he's basically a complete midfielder. And so he fits well with that central attacking focal point because he can do so many different things. And obviously the most important one he's done so far is score goals from that number 10 spot. Joe, did you see the thing about what number Bellingham wore growing up and why? Uh, well, I know it was whatever Birmingham City retired. Was it 22? I don't know yeah. why he wore that number. It's because his youth coaches couldn't decide on if he should be uh, a number four, a number eight, or a number 10. So they just <laughs> added them together, and he wore 22. Uh, and to your point, that is a pretty complete uh, midfielder right there. That's maybe an apocryphal story, but that's the story I'm rolling with. Uh, because <laughs> to your point, Joe, he is a complete midfielder, and I felt like he was already... Like a very good complete midfielder at Dortmund could do a lot of things well, but I wouldn't have said was world-class necessarily at any one thing. And that's where this move to Real Madrid has really spotlighted how good he is and how hardworking and diligent he is as a footballer. It is also, once again, spotlighted how brilliant Carlo Ancelotti is. And that's a key, key factor here, Joe. I think you, you laid it out really well. Benzema leaves, I think, a year earlier than Real Madrid expected him to because who's going to turn down that money? And so there is then this issue of we, we don't really want to spend a ton of money this summer. Maybe we can get Mbappe. We've already brought in Bellingham. 
like we have uh, like players who are going to be joining at later points, but does that really like give us the flexibility? Do we want to try to change things up? Do we want to try to bring in a big name and have them bet in quickly? And I think it is just massive credit to Carlo Ancelotti, and I'm going to guess Bellingham in training, that there is this flexibility of he has played in this role, in this role, in this role for Dortmund. But you know what? We're going to make him a number 10 who does Kareem Benzema things, and he is going to thrive in that role. I think a lot of it has to do with the squad makeup at Real Madrid and how many players can do more of the defensive side of things and can do more of the progressive carry side of things so that Bellingham can be more of an out-and-out attacker, and that's borne out in the stats where I think his defensive numbers are way lower than they were at Dortmund, but his attacking numbers are much, much higher. But I think it's a massive credit to Carlo Ancelotti for figuring out how to make that work, how to figure out how to continue getting Real Madrid results and making them look good while losing critical players and sort of transitioning on from that cross cross. Modric, Modric, Casemiro midfield. Joe, uh, a tricky question perhaps, but is there an equivalent that we've seen previous in other soccer teams of the way Jude Bellingham is being used that we've seen at other sides? Is, is there a blueprint for what he's doing? Mm. Uh, the way he's being used as a 10? I mean, has, has Messi done what he's done in, in lieu of a number nine or that kind of thing? No, Messi, uh, yeah, I think there is. The Messi one's an interesting one. Just the way that Jude Bellingham plays in this role is, is completely different from a classic number 10, and, and you can sort of put Messi into that category, he's not so ball dominant, right? The number of touches that Jude Bellingham is getting this year as a 10 is less per 90 minutes than he got yeah. last year for Borussia Dortmund. He's not this crazy high usage, needing to be on the ball, going to dribble past you 20 times a game, although he is a great dribbler. He's not that player. He's not a Mesut Ozil. He's not any of these through ball threader types. He can do a little bit of everything. But the, the names that kept coming up for me as I went through and, and did a bunch of film on, on Bellingham and combed through a bunch of stuff is Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard. Sort of thinking about these players that could do a number of different things in midfield, but especially with Lampard, would crash the box, right? And I, I don't always think of Lampard as playing the number 10 role, but that's sort of how Jude Bellingham has interpreted this position, which is not one that he's played a ton before prior to this season. Bellingham's biggest impactful trait so far, even with him widely outperforming his expected goals, is his movement into the box. Like his number one standout trait that's made him into what he's been this year for Real Madrid is him crashing the box and almost pulling together all of the, the striker instincts that he has in his body. His ability to use those traits to crash, to find space, to be the second runner, even to be the first runner at times, to stay alive for rebounds, all of those things. He scored goals on each and every one of those aspects so far. So I think of him first and foremost when he's playing as a number 10, as sort of a, a Lampard type, but even... The way that Bellingham plays that position and the level he's doing it at right now and all the other things that he's good at too, he's in my mind more of a unicorn than anything else. Yep, I would agree. Because um, I think when you see players moved into a new position and thriving or players sort of changing their position slightly and then the team being oriented around them, it is oftentimes an older player who's having to adjust the way they're playing because maybe they've lost a little bit of their speed or just a little bit of that quickness or acceleration, like Andrea Pirlo moving further back, but that working really well is a similar example. But to me, it's very much a, we need to get the best out of this player. So we're putting him in a position that allows for that to occur. With Bellingham, it feels like basically he can do this thing that no one else can do, but is also exceptionally good at it at the same time when it comes to Real Madrid right now. And, and in that way, I think of somebody like Cesc Fabregas basically playing as a number nine for Spain or as a false nine for Spain because he understood the role and was kind of a squad player. And so like he's the one who can jump in and do it. We don't have him as an identified player elsewhere. He is definitely starting in this role. And so those are all similar situations or similar scenarios. But to Joe's point, I think he is a bit of a unicorn because it's a player who is in their prime or maybe not even yet in their prime and is playing a different role somewhat out of necessity, but also out of ability. But then they are elevating them themselves and the team as a result. It's difficult to think of a player who's done anything quite like that, let alone in their first season with a new club, a club the size of Real Madrid. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dig in a little more to what makes Bellingham a special little unicorn, and we'll maybe look at what might have been if he'd not chosen Real Madrid. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to The Big Thing. Uh, Taylor, I come to you and mm-hmm. sort of ask, what kind of development path have we seen uh, evident from Jude Bellingham, from maybe perhaps from Birmingham to Dortmund to here? Mm-hmm. Have we? Uh, he's not come out of the gates at Birmingham as the finished product. Obviously, he's very special. He's special enough to have his shirt retired mm-hmm. and for him to be one of the key prospects. But uh, are we seeing evolution in front of our eyes, I suppose is the question. Yeah, I think we are. But I think we're also seeing intelligence both from the player and by all accounts from his parents as well still very very close with his parents they live near him uh in madrid i think his mom oftentimes it's either his mom or venetius who drives him to training apparently which is a strange trade-off i like to think that they work out the carpool schedule the night before uh his mother and venetius but it does seem like he has a very strong relationship with his parents and a lot of people at Madrid, Madrid there's a good uh, athletic piece about this, speaking anonymously, talked about how sometimes that can be to a player's detriment, that the player's parents are too involved or trying to control things or aren't letting the player kind of function for themselves. In this case, it feels like they really are just there as a sounding board to help offer insight. And that seems to have been the case from when he joins Birmingham to how quickly he moves through the ranks there to making that decision to go to Germany instead of some of the other offers he had, like you mentioned, Ryan. And I think... We're seeing him develop on the pitch, but I think a lot of that development has to do with who he is off of it. Mm. Um, By all accounts, a very diligent, hardworking, focused, but humble person who is sort of mindful of what is the next best step for me, both as a player and a person, to develop the way I want to. And I think that's where Dortmund was such a smart move and so important for him. Like, And I don't think this was intentional necessarily, but he moves to a club where we've talked about it before. We don't think of Dortmund as having these like veteran leaders that will stabilize things. They have veterans who can come in and lead, but they're not always stabilizing. Dortmund end up like losing the title race or slipping up in the worst moment or not having that fight when their backs are against the wall. And it does seem like Bellingham was put into a position at a very young age to be able to develop some of that leadership and ability. And I think it's been a big part of how he's been able to develop that maturity on and off the pitch. Yeah, I think I think it bears repeating, Taylor, that it's clear he has intelligence and emotional inter- intelligence mm-hmm. that you can see off the field. Just looking at the interviews he gave at the Ballon d'Or awards ceremony, he just seems like he's free of ego, has his head screwed on the right way around, and isn't going to be distracted by anything that might, you know, the entrapments that might have got other players in a bit of trouble. So I'm, I'm really encouraged by his strength of character as well. Should we say that much? I think that's uh, very yeah, and his discipline. I think yeah. uh, I read he eats like the same sort of meals that are all chef curated to like accentuate the key parts of his diet that they want accentuated, but then still eats beans and eggs on toast because that's his favorite meal. So you get a little bit of a, I guess, of a cheat day here and there, but largely mm-hmm. that discipline is uh, on display in every aspect of his life. The Deli Ali special, that one. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think we could get any more British than Ryan taking care to um, commend the boy's attitude and his heart and his, his spirit, yes, his course. intelligence. Yeah. And then Taylor mentioned beans and eggs on toast as a cheat meal. And um, yeah. I, think, I think we got there really, really quickly. <laughs> we're one stiff upper lip away from, I think, being like fully royally anointed. Yeah. Indeed. Now, Joe, uh, as I mentioned, and as we have mentioned previously, a number of clubs have been after Jude Bellingham throughout his career, uh, and uh, clubs that he's been present with have turned down offers. Manchester United reportedly with a twenty million offer uh, before he ended up at Real Madrid. Is uh, um, let's let's do a sliding doors moment. Sliding doors was a movie, Joe from the nineties. If you um, if we go back, and the butterfly go- effect, Joe. If you want a more uh, one that's slightly closer, though, I think that might Early have come 2000s? out when you were. Three? Believe Joe might have been three years old. Both of these have sort of trickled their way into modern day pop culture. Um, so I, I'm, huh? I'm tracking so far. Thanks. Oh, it, that was Joe saying, okay, boomer to both of us. Excellent. A little bit. That was that's yeah. sort of what happened there. <laughs> Kids these days. Am I right, I Ryan? I know. Oh, oh, Jude Wait, Bellingham wouldn't have had that kind of sass. We need we're, H on the show. Let's get H on the show. Yeah, let's get H back on. Uh, <laughs> Joe, I have a question. Okay. Uh, it was brought to my attention that the youths of today I would not like say. I going. I'm going to Google that. 
if you were like researching a thing or if somebody asked you to like, hey, can you look into this topic? What, what, would you say I Googled it or would you say something differently? No, I, I duck, duck, goat it is what I, is <laughs> what I would leave. I, I don't know. Yeah, Googled, I looked it up. Both of those I feel like are pretty interchangeable. S- searched them up is the one that I've seen a oh, number no. of times and I'm curious about. I searched it oh. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm unfamiliar with, with okay. I searched it up game and I'm not sure I care to be more familiar with it. Wow. Okay. No brand loyalty on search engines, but with uh, Gen Z these days. That's good to know. Uh, we've gone slightly off track. <laughs> I'm still Joe. asked Jeeves, obviously. <laughs> of course, Alta Vista, baby. That's the, uh, <laughs> the uh, old school. Um, Joe, in a scenario where he ends up going to Manchester yeah, United, yeah. how much do they ruin him at this point? <laughs> I, I, I think it is possible to ruin Jude Bellingham. I think it's really, 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 really hard. I think that's what we've learned over the years. They could do Going it. from Birmingham City... <laughs> <laughs> to Borussia Dortmund as a, a very, very young player and finding a way very quickly to become a key part of that team. Going from there to Real Madrid, not the most stable club, Real Madrid, to be clear. Manchester United are in a bit of a different stratosphere. It feels like Manchester United and Chelsea are maybe the places that every player's thankful they didn't end up over the last few seasons now. I think Jude Bellingham probably still becomes an elite player, regardless yeah. of where he goes. I, I honestly don't think it would have had that much of an impact. Do I think he'd be playing in this number 10 role? And do I think he'd be scoring at this rate? Probably not. But I don't think Jude Bellingham's going to be scoring at quite this rate in a month's time, let alone, you know, years down the road with Manchester United wearing red. So I think it certainly changes things. That's not an insightful thing to say. Obviously, it would change things. But I, I still think we're seeing Jude Bellingham, the superstar. We're maybe not doing this episode about him, though. Yeah. I think a really interesting aspect of his development, his continued development, and his continued popularity is rooted in him not playing in England. And if he were playing for Manchester United, his fate and his development is tied to their fate and their development. And so I think he's immediately uh, in for criticism far more regularly, especially as an English player in the English league. And that seems to be a pretty consistent thing of, of sort of media sources pointing out that there just isn't as much of an interest in continental football, even for a club of Real Madrid's stature, there's going to be some coverage, but it's certainly not the coverage that you would get of him if he were playing in the Premier League week in and week out. And to some extent, I think that reduces the pressure on him because it makes him less of a thing that's discussed every single day on match of uh, every single time on match of the day and is criticized in the papers. And we're talking about what he wore and what he drove and who he's dating and who he was seen. Like, I just don't think there's nearly as much attention on him. And so for that alone, I think he is able to develop outside of all of that pressure. um, That is both being an English player who plays for England, but also an English player who plays for a club like Manchester United. I think being at Dortmund who are like the second tier in Germany behind Bayern Munich, there is immediately less pressure there. And then being vaulted into Real Madrid, you would assume there's more pressure. And there certainly is from a Spanish perspective and a Spanish coverage perspective. Mm-hmm. He's learning Spanish, so maybe at some point that will affect him. But I do think it takes him out of the firing line a little bit, or at the very least on a consistent basis. And so I think that also probably helps him develop in a less like reactive sort of way. Yeah, that's a good point. Since being a late teenager, he's escaped the noise, I think. Yeah, exactly. As close as club he's Thank you for putting it succinctly. Well yeah, that's a, very, that's a very good point to make. And to, to go more succinctly into my Man United question, Taylor, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you. They would if have ruined say, him, for sure. If we say that he's won eight games or so for Real Madrid, mm-hmm. how many would he have won for Man United at this point? Or is he, is he not that superhuman? I, I mean, I no, he's not. But he's also not playing in that role, as Joe said, because Bruno is there. And, and, I, and I don't know if he's playing... Like in a deeper role because they spent the money they spent on Casemiro. Obviously, sliding doors. Like, do they make certain signings if he were there? I don't know. I I think he is a a shuttling number eight for this Manchester United team, and I don't think he really has to do that much differently than what he was doing already for Dortmund. So I think he develops from a now you're playing for Manchester United and there's even more pressure, and maybe he wears the captain's armband on occasion, and and that like raises him up a little bit more. But largely, I don't think there's enough of consistency in approach and just consistency in results for Manchester United that allows for some of that stability and some of that development. I think it's much more lurching from one crisis to the next, at least of late. And that is not the best for development aside from sort of dealing with pressure and dealing with crisis situations on a consistent basis. It is indeed. Joe, your thoughts on Bellingham on the international stage. Uh, I feel like there's a 
it's going to sound strange, but there's there's a, there's a lot of young talent on the England team. Does he stand out? Do we feel, and is he yes. used in a particularly different way? Yeah. So we've seen his role change a bit for England over time. Plays a key role for them at the last World Cup. Plays a little bit deeper throughout the majority of that tournament as sort of a number eight in their midfield, going box to box. Definitely not playing the ten role for them as much. And then you come into this past international window. England are playing Italy, and where does Jude Bellingham line up for Gareth Southgate? He lines up as a number 10. So we are seeing his role start to change. He's he's just phenomenal. Like, he's so good at all, all sorts of different things. Ryan, I don't know when I get to do the scattering report, if that comes now, if that comes later after the break. I, it's going to be a few minutes, so maybe it should come after the break. Like, he's so good at, at so many different things that you can put him basically anywhere in midfield. You can put him almost anywhere on the field and get some return on your investment there. But yeah, he's he's played in a couple different spots for England in the midfield. I think we're going to see him play that 10 role for them a bit moving forward, even if I think both for club and country, his best yeah. position is going to end up being sort of that box crashing number eight role. I'm I'm hearing the listeners coming through the earphones, Joe. They're braying for the scouting report. Let's lay it on them. Okay. All right, let's do it. So in terms of the report on Jude Bellingham, he is, I think I said it a couple of times now, he's a complete midfielder. So we're seeing the goal scoring this year. He's scoring goals. That's first and foremost, that's about off-ball movement, right? So if you want to score goals, you can't do that unless you're in a space where you have an opportunity to shoot. And so the best goal scorers around the planet find open space and they let the ball find them. That's a big part of goal scoring. Drew Bellingham does that incredibly well. He finds gaps in the box. He arrives late. He arrives early and in, in sort of can be either in front or behind defenders. He anticipates rebounds. I mentioned that earlier. He's good at all of that stuff. He's also a useful chance creator for his teammates. So he, he's very good at this. Not quite elite at it at this point. So he's in the 82nd percentile and expected assisted goals. So that's a chance creation metric over the last year relative to other midfielders in big leagues, uh, according to FBREF. So he's got a lot of quality there, but it's not, and I mentioned this earlier, he's not like a Mesut Ozil through ball threader type. That's not his game. He can do it, but he doesn't go back to that well over and over and over again. Very good right foot. Good vision, very calm under pressure. He's only going to get better at at chance creating. That of all the skills in his arsenal, just 20 years old, that's where I think we're going to see the most improvement between now and, I don't know, next season, the year after that, whatever it is. So he's a good but not quite great chance creator just yet. He's a great dribbler, so smooth on the ball, can drop a shoulder, is press resistant. He had this, uh, this goal against Napoli in the Champions League earlier this season where he sort of just keeps driving and driving and driving forward with the ball at his feet. We'll see that now and then from Jude Bellingham, but he, he's not a messy kind of dribbler. He's not this super low center of gravity. I'm going to slalom through eight guys and go forward. He's more of a, I'm going to receive with the ball. Uh, uh, I'm going to receive the ball with a guy on my back. I'm going to turn off of him. I'm going to drive forward, maybe drop a shoulder and beat one guy and then keep it moving. He's a great ball progressor in that way, but he's not, he's not going to slalom through you like cones. And then the last thing about his game that really stands out to me is his physicality. Like this is an underrated part of his game. He's six foot one, according to the internet. We've covered that maybe internet heights are not always the most accurate, but you go out and, and you watch him play for 30 seconds. And and if you zero in on his frame, he's a he's a big dude. He's a little lanky still, but he's tall. He's a, he's got the frame. I think he's building some muscle. And and that frame helps in a bunch of different ways. Defensively, it lets you cover ground and win duels. And offensively, then you can shield the ball away from your opponents, like I was just talking about, and power your way through midfield and even in, into the final third. So he's just so good at so many different things. Not that there isn't room for improvement still. There really is. He's so effective at at all this different stuff. The the only other thing I want to note quickly about Bellingham and his game is he's going to drop off on the scoring side. And I know that kind of sounds anticlimactic when we're doing this whole episode about Jude Bellingham. I referenced this yesterday. He's scoring at this sort of unprecedented rate. 13 goals so far. His expected goals is well, well underneath what he's going to score. I know that's going to make a lot of people roll their eyes. But XG is a really useful indicator of whether you're finding good spots or not. And Bellingham finds a ton of good spots. He's just not finding quite enough of them. Nor, nor like, I'm not trying to blame him for that. He's not finding quite enough of them to continue scoring a goal every 86 minutes. That just does not happen from anybody but Erling Holland in this sport says anymore. Yes, yeah, it says me. Maybe I'll look like an idiot in a month. I, I don't think I'm going to. But, like, that is, that's one sort of undercurrent here. But even with that and even, you know, with me factoring that into the scouting report, He's he's awesome. He's so incredibly good. On that note, Ryan, a question for you. I've seen a lot of different, primarily English writers, uh, drawing comparisons to English players of the past. Uh, Paul Gascoigne, Harry Kane, Steven Gerrard. There's one in particular that I think like there is some parallel with. Is there anybody 
from England teams, past or present, that like he reminds you of, or you remember feeling similarly hyped about when it comes to their ability at such a young age? Uh, that was a good question. I, I picture him as like a Glenn Hoddle with more physicality. If that makes sense. So, okay. uh, maybe Glenn Hoddle is a bit more two-footed than Jude Bellingham as well. But I think the Lampard comparison is pretty good as well. The other one that I've seen pretty consistently is basically Wayne Rooney when he's first breaking out. That he can, okay. like, he is kind of like a dynamo on the ball, difficult to dispossess, good at scoring goals, good at carrying, good at finding passes, kind of complete across the board. But it feels like Bellingham has already sort of developed his game in other areas. So I, I think in my mind, it comes down to like there are comparisons and there are players that have done similar things at certain points. But I, I struggle to think of a player who's broken through and had this level of success this consistently. What I think is interesting, Taylor, is this perhaps the self-comparison that um, Bellingham's making in a way by wearing five at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made no secret that he loves Zinedine Zidane. And mm-hmm. I wonder if he's if that's kind of his his benchmark, if you will. He's not the same kind of player per se, but... And I forget which player it was who... Uh, like abdicated the number five shirt so he could have it. But even even in that, Bellingham was very, very gracious. I think the player then went out on loan. But he was very gracious and very thankful and basically has said all of the right things so far, whereas Zidane just never said anything. He just headbutted people. So he hasn't quite gotten that to that level yet, but I think that's a pretty fair comparison too. Yeah, and uh, maybe just before we hit a break, Taylor, any, any thoughts on his limitations? Uh, uh, Joe mentioned about chance mm-hmm. creation being a part of his great game that can grow. Is there anything else you'd... you'd- highlight there and this kind of plays into another question i think you have in the document for later about like what do the next five years look like i think the limitation would just be what do real madrid do in the next couple seasons and we can talk more about that later but i think that could be a major issue in how he continues to develop and where he fits in is who do who else do they bring in um I, I would say like leadership for somebody of his age, but I think he's already displayed it time and time again, looking at England in the 2022 World Cup and then even more recently that Italy game. He feels like a person who does not like shy away from picking up the crowd, getting involved, leading by example. It's it's crazy to talk about that with a player who is as young as he is, but I think he he has so many of those intangibles and so many of those just little things that can be difference makers that I think it's just about continuing to like sharpen certain skill sets. Maybe he won't keep up the goal scoring. Maybe he adds some more assists along the way, but I think it's also just adding more things to the portfolio because now he's reached a level where I think he has some house money to play with basically. Yeah. You hear that dude rain in the slack. We're watching you. (laughs) Uh, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look ahead to the future. Uh, and look at his potential status among the very best in the world. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to The Big Thing. Joseph, on yesterday's Listener Questions episode, we answered a question about Jude Bellingham and his status among the best players in the world. You've had a day to think about it. Any, any thoughts on uh, where, where, where he ranks? Uh, would you like to apologize? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Um, no, I would not like to apologize. Bellingham, for me, is in, in sort of that next tier underneath the Mbappe and the, the Hollands and, and still Messi right now in the world. And I mentioned some of the reasoning for that on yesterday's show. I don't need to rehash all of it. But the idea there being the scoring is, is going to dry up a little bit for Jude Bellingham. If we set that aside and just look at his form right now, yeah, he's absolutely on that level. He's scoring at that level. He's he's still providing the occasional chance for his teammates now and then. You know, I, I would take Jude Bellingham with with anybody over anybody right now. But the thing is, it's it's probably not quite gonna stay that way. You'd expect some regression, which is fine because he's still getting in a ton of good spots. Still is very very dangerous in the attack and in other phases of the game as well. But he's he's at a disadvantage because he won't play this ten role forever. Real Madrid probably will go out and sign a number nine before too long. And that's going to shift the structure of their attack. It's going to impact the wingers who are playing as strikers right now. And it's going to impact Jude Bellingham. Things are going to change, whether that's his regression or Real Madrid changing things on their own. And, and yeah, they'll change for Mbappe and Holland too. But those players put the ball in the net, back of the net so consistently and have done so for quite some time. Among midfielders, if we want to loop all them in together, sort of the, the more attack-minded midfielders, not just number 10s, but you know number 8s that go box-to-box too. Bellingham, I think, is right up there with the best in the world, if not the best of the world, best in the world in that category right now. But if we're expanding this to look at all players, which is really, really hard to do with any level of accuracy and stripping out bias, like I probably have him underneath Mbappe and Holland, but he's he's awesome. Like I'm not I'm not saying anything to the contrary. Taylor, any thoughts on that question? The big one? I have thoughts. Uh namely that I kind of hate the Ballon d'Or. I think we've talked about that before. So it's it's I'm automatically loath to be like yep he should win the Ballon d'Or he's the best player in the world but if we're talking about players that I think at present are just like if you ask me who are the best players on the planet I think he's in the top three maybe the top four I think Joe has made good arguments for why Messi is still in that conversation uh but the argument being did you watch the world cup exactly exactly um but I think it was great with the way Bellingham has come on at Madrid and I think to reiterate what I said yesterday how much he has developed new aspects of his game and just developed them, even if they were there in like limited capacity to raise them to such a level where he is such a critical performer for Real Madrid. I I think that's where I see him as having that staying power, even if the goal scoring does dip. And I think it will. I think Joe's made a good argument. I don't know how much it will, because I think he is being used as that sort of like second striker, support striker, what have you. I think he's going to continue to get goal-scoring opportunities and has license to to take some shots and make things happen. So I think he'll still score goals, maybe not at this rate, but I think everything else he has on offer is why I include him in that group, even if he's not like pu- just pumping in goals in the Premier League or lightning fast and outrunning defenders the way uh, Holland and Mbappe are, respectively. I think he still is in that conversation for me at present, for sure. Yeah, the the one thing on the goals stuff there, Taylor, you're right. He's going to still continue to find a lot of good spots and take a lot of good shots and score a lot of goals. My guess would be, and sort of if you parse through some of the numbers, it's still a really small sample size. But you go back through, my guess is that he'll still be scoring maybe a goal every other game. Like that's kind of right where he is right now, a goal you know, every every 180 minutes instead of a goal every 90 minutes, basically. That's still a fantastic scoring rate. Like that's a that's a decent scoring rate for anybody. For a midfielder, that is very, very strong. He's still going to be picking up a lot of those really useful positions and, and putting the ball in the back of the net a bunch. It's just not, at least in my head at least, and, and sort of when you look at some other data here, I don't think it's going to stay at this level. 
But again, that's not to say he's not a key cog for Real Madrid. Even if the scoring drops off, you can make a really good argument that he'll still be the most important player on that team until they go out there and identify another center forward. It just doesn't, for me, him being this important for Real Madrid, who have maybe not completely rebuilt themselves from last year, doesn't necessarily mean that he's automatically in the best player of the world conversation, even though on form right now, he absolutely is. Do you think, Joe, that Real Madrid, it's a priority to identify a new number nine at this point, given Bellingham's behavior, behavior, uh, form, I should say? Uh, if you're Florentino Perez, Real Madrid president, are you actively seeking one, I suppose, is the question. I am, yes. I, honestly, who can predict what Perez is going to do? Maybe he's going to build Bellingham four skyscrapers and film another documentary. I, I don't Ooh. know what's going to happen. But if I'm Real Madrid, I'm sort of thinking, I'm, I'm trying to think a few steps ahead of, of thinking, okay, Bellingham's on a heater right now. It's been incredible. He's still going to be great for us. He's probably not going to keep this up forever. So you want to go out there and, and sort of prepare yourselves for, okay, how is how are we going to evolve? How are we going to adapt? Maybe this 4-4-2 diamond isn't going to be the, the ultimate move for us and we need to make a couple of changes. At this point, though, Bellingham's made that more complicated. Before the season started, I thought it was very obvious that Real Madrid needed to go find a, a center forward at a higher level than Hosolu. Now you go out there and do that, and it's sort of like, well, do you not... Do you not believe in Jude Bellingham? Do you not mm. think he can continue to carry you? Don't you have a good thing going? Like you're a top of La Liga, you're doing fine in the Champions League. I think you have to parse through that noise and say like, no, this is something that we need to do to allow Jude Bellingham to continue to thrive and embrace the next step in his career. I think you can spin it in such a way that you get around some of the PR nonsense that comes through that stuff naturally. If I'm Real Madrid, I'm absolutely starting to look and hoping to find one in the winter. And if not the winter, then definitely in the summer. What do you think, Taylor? What if it's, even if it's not a pure number nine, what if it's an Mbappe who comes along, for example? Does that change the picture significantly for him? First of all, to go with what Joe was saying, I love the idea of the Real Madrid board basically being like, you got a problem with Bellingham, bro? Like, I hope that's how they're approaching negotiations. <laughs> um, I think the Mbappe pursuit is going to be fascinating because they've already agreed the terms to bring in Endrick, the 17-year-old Brazilian who is, uh, can play right wing, can play left wing, but I think they looked at as being a center forward. I think, again, that's where they were expecting to have Benzema for one more year. Then you can bring him in and then see what else you need. But I think like if, if Mbappe is available, I don't know how they don't go for him. But I think if you bring in Mbappe and lose Carlo Ancelotti at the end of the season, which we think they're likely to do, we think he'll leave for perceived greener pastures. You are sort of setting yourself up for here was this blueprint that was working really well now you've brought in Endrick and then you brought in Mbappe you've got to make everybody happy maybe you're asking Bellingham to do less maybe you're putting him into a more defensive or number eight position I think that's where I say what Real Madrid do business wise will I think be a pretty key contributor in how Bellingham continues to develop or potentially doesn't develop as much uh, at that point. And I also think it seems like the vibe at Madrid right now is very anti-Galactico. It's very youth coming through, players who cost a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but I think are developing together. And so I don't think you have any of those players who are screaming for the ball every 10 seconds or, or and pouting if they don't get it. And that does feel like a thing that Kylian Mbappe might bring. We We know how he's handled his negotiations with PSG, and we know how much he has sort of expected control, does that carry over if he goes to Real Madrid? Does that disrupt things as well? I, I think that will be where they have to get things right or continue to get things right. Because thus far, the way they've overhauled the midfield has been spectacular. And they've really mm -hmm. set themselves up for 10 or 15 years if everybody stays and everybody stays healthy. So just those those additional additions is what I think could have a pretty big impact on uh, Bellingham's continued growth. All right, final question from me for you today, Joseph Lowry. What does the path ahead look like for Jude Bellingham? How much will that winning goal in the 92nd minute of the 2026 World Cup final affect his uh, prospects going forward? So does he have U.S. citizenship? I didn't realize he could still file a oh, switch. Uh, nice I didn't, I didn't nice. think he could make that happen. I think over the next several years, it, what we're going to see from Jude Bellingham is him becoming the best advanced midfielder in the world. Like that That's what I think maybe he's already there. I think he's going to cement that status and you know, score 12 goals and have eight assists a season for the next five years, or maybe even have higher scoring tallies than that. Like he is, he is a unicorn. He's so good at so many different things. I'll say it a thousand times. I could not believe how, how strong he looks on the tape. When you go back through and watch even other things outside of his goals, lots of players can do a little bit of everything. 
Few players can do as much of everything as Jude Bellingham does. And I think he's only going to do more and more of those things and become the best player in whatever his role is year after year after year. And, and we'll look back on him. We'll, we'll look back on Jude Bellingham and think like, oh, you know, maybe maybe somebody who didn't grow up watching Jude Bellingham 40 years from now will look back and see that his jersey was retired from Birmingham City and think, oh, that makes sense. And they won't realize that it was retired preemptively basically that they just retired it because he played one season with them and was awesome and I, they wanted to inspire others I guess is the language they used mm. people who, who don't know that story will look back and think oh yep that makes sense and maybe his jersey is going to be retired by the other clubs too I have to think if he had a 1 to 11 number they wouldn't have retired it though right mm, yeah probably not <laughs> 22 worked out well for him that's that's good wisdom like choose number 37 or something like that yeah, leave the door open for yourself that's exactly right, yeah. exactly <laughs> Taylor, your thoughts on on the on the trajectory yeah. of his career? I think staying injury free uh, definitely going to be pretty key, especially this season. And then I do think his performance at the Euros, uh, if England make a run and he's critical to that run, yes. I think that really further cements his legacy. And then to me, it's about what Real Madrid do in the next couple seasons and who they bring in and what they want their identity to be. And I think there is a reality that they bring in Kylian Mbappe and a bunch of other star players and things get murky. But I think there's an equally likely reality in which they basically say, no, we've struck oil. We are sticking with what we've got. We're going to bring in players to kind of continue to develop out our team. But this is our midfield core. Jude Bellingham is a key player. He's a future captain. He's our future Zidane. And, and they roll with him. And I think that furthers that development all the more. So it's a really interesting point for him where he has come on so quickly or like move to that next level so quickly. And then it's about how sustainable that is, or even how much he can exceed those expectations. Marvelous stuff. All right. So Jude Bellingham, we wish you well in your future endeavors. This has been the big thing. Taylor Rockwell, thank you so much for big thing in it once again. Uh, my pleasure. Just avoid Man United for a while, Jude. Uh, much as that pains me to say. Let's, let's not get him sucked into that one too quickly. Let's not make that exclusively for Jude. We should make that for most parties in soccer as well, I would suggest. <sighs> Yeah, probably. Sorry, Sorry, Taylor. (laughs) Joe Lowry, thank you very much for your insight as always, my good man. Yeah, right back at you, Ryan. This was fun. It was indeed. Listener, let us know what you think about this episode. Thank you very much for joining us there in patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show if you'd like our bonus materials. We've got bonus podcasts, videos, and access to our funky Discord. All the cool kids are there. But for now, listener, thank you again for joining us. We'll be back on the feed very shortly. But for now, bye! 